Section 15 of Yiddish Tales. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Yiddish Tales, translated by Helena Frank and read by Adrian Pretzelis. Section 15. Gymnasium, Secondary School, by Sholem Alechem. A man's worst enemy, I tell you, will never do him the harm he does himself, especially when a woman interferes, that is, a wife. Whom do you think I have in mind when I say that? My own self. Look at me and think. What would you take me for? Just an ordinary Jew. It doesn't say on my nose whether I have money or not or whether I am very low indeed, does it? It may be that I once had money, and not only that, money in itself is nothing, but I can tell you I earned a living, and that respectably and quietly, without worry and flurry, not like some people who like to live in a whirl. No, my motto is, more haste, less speed. I traded quietly, went bankrupt a time or two, quietly, and quietly went back to work again. But there is a God in the world, and He blessed me with a wife. As she isn't here, we can speak openly, a wife like any other. That is, at first glance, she isn't so bad, not at all. In person, Kenny Horror, no evil eye twice my height, not an ugly woman, quite a beauty, you may say, an intelligent woman, quite a man, and that's the whole trouble. Why, it isn't good when the wife is a man. The Almighty knew what he was about when, at the creation, he formed Adam first, and then Eve. But what's the use of telling her that, when she says, if the Almighty created Adam first and then Eve, that's his affair. But if he put more sense into my heel than into your head, no more am I to blame for that. What is all this about? say I. It's about that which should be first and foremost with you, says she. But I have to be the one to think of everything, even about sending the boy to the gymnasium. Where, say I, is it written that my boy should go to the gymnasium? Can I not afford to have him taught Torah at home? I've told you a hundred and fifty times, says she, that you won't persuade me to go against the world. And the world, says she, has decided that children should go to the gymnasium. In my opinion, say I, the world is mad. And you— says she, are oh, the only sane person in it. A pretty thing it would be, says she, if the world were to follow you. Every man, say I, should decide on his own course. If my enemies, says she, and my friends' enemies, had as little in pocket and bag, in box and chest, as you have in your head, the world would be a different place. Woe to the man, say I, who needs to be advised by his wife. And woe to the wife, says she, who has that man to her husband. Now, if you can argue with a woman who, 
when you say one thing maintains the contrary, when you give her one word treats you to a dozen, and who, if you bid her shut up, cries, or even, I beg of you, faints, well, I envy you, that's all. In short, up and down, this way and that, she got the best of it. She, not I, because the fact is, when she wants a thing, it has to be. Well, what next? Gymnasie. The first thing was to prepare the boy for the elementary class. I must say I did not see anything very alarming in that. It seemed to me that any one of our Cheder boys, an Aleph-Bess scholar, could tuck it all in his belt, especially a boy like mine, for whose equal you might search an empire and not find him. I am a father, not of you, be it said, but that boy has a memory that beats everything. To cut a long story short, he went up for the examination, and did not pass. You ask the reason? He only got a two in arithmetic. They said he was weak at calculation, in the science of mathematics. What do you think of that? He has a memory that beats everything. I tell you, you might search an empire for his like. And they come talking to me about mathematics? Well, he failed to pass, and it vexed me very much. If he was to go up for examination, let him succeed. However, being a man, not a woman, I made up my mind to it. It's a misfortune, but a Jew is used to that. Only what was the use of talking to her with that bee in her bonnet? Once for all, gymnasie. I reason with her. Tell me, say I, may you be well, what is the good of it? He's safe, say I, from military service, being an only son, and as for Panossa, a living, the devil I need it for Panossa. What do I care if he does become a trader like his father, a merchant like the rest of the Jews? If he is destined to become a rich man, a banker, I don't see that I am to be pitied. Thus do I reason with her as with the wall. So much the better, says she, if he has not been entered for the junior preparatory. What now, say I? Now, says she, he can go direct to the senior preparatory. Well, senior preparatory, there's nothing so terrible in that, for the boy has a head, I tell you. You might search an empire. And what was the result? Well, what do you suppose? Another two instead of a five. Not in mathematics this time. A fresh calamity. His spelling is not what it should be. That is, he can spell all right, but he gets a bit mixed up with the two Russian E's. That is, he puts them in right enough. Why shouldn't he? Only not in their proper places. Well, there's a misfortune for you. I guess I won't find the way to Poltava Fair if the child cannot put the E's where they belong. When they brought the good news, she turned the town inside out, ran to the director, declared that the boy could do it, to prove it, let him be had up again. They paid her as much attention as if she were last year's snow. Put a two, 
and another sort of two, and a two with a dash. Call me nutcrackers, but there was a commotion. Failed again, say I to her, and if so, say I, what is to be done? Are we to commit suicide? A Jew, say I, is used to that sort of thing. Upon which she fired up and blazed away and stormed and scolded as only she can. But I let you off. He, poor child, was in a pitiable state. Talk of cruelty to animals! Just think, the other boys in little white buttons, and not he. I reason with him, you little fool, what does it matter? Who ever heard of an examination at which every one passed? Someone must stay home, mustn't they? Then why not you? There's really nothing to make a fuss about. My wife, overhearing, goes off into a fresh fury, and falls upon me. A fine comforter you are, says she. Who asked you to console him with that sort of nonsense? You'd better see about getting him a proper teacher, says she, a private teacher, a Russian for grammar. You hear that? Now I must have two teachers for him. One teacher and a Rebbe are not enough. Up and down, this way and that way, she got the best of it, as usual. What next? We engaged a second teacher, a Russian this time, not a Jew, preserve us, but a real Gentile, because grammar in the first class, let me tell you, is no trifle, no shredded horseradish. Grammatica, indeed, the two E's. Well, I was telling about the teacher that God sent us for our sins. It's enough to make one blush to remember the way he treated us as though we had been the mud under his feet. Laughed at us to our face, he did, devil take him. And the one and only thing he could teach him was Tasnok, Tasnoka, Tasnoku, Tasnokum. If it hadn't been for her, I should have had him by the throat and out into the street with his blessed grammar. But to her it was all right and as it should be. Now the boy will know which E to put. If you believe me, they tormented him through that whole winter, for he was not to be had up for slaughter till about Shivuos. Shivuos over, he went up for examination, and this time he brought home no more twos, but a four and a five. There was great joy. We congratulate, we congratulate. Wait a bit. Don't be in such a hurry with your congratulations. We don't know yet for certain whether he has got in or not. We shall not know till August. Why not till August? Why not before? Go and ask them. What is to be done? A Jew is used to that sort of thing. August. And I gave a glance out of the corner of my eye. She was up and doing from the director to the inspector, from the inspector to the director. Why are you running from Schumann to Bunin, say I, like a poisoned mouse? You asking why, says she, aren't you a native of this place? You don't seem to know how it is nowadays with the gymnasies and the percentages. 
and what came of it, he did not pass. You ask why? Because he hadn't two fives. If he had had two fives, then, they say, perhaps he would have got in. You hear? Perhaps? How do you like that? Perhaps. Well, I'll let you off what I had to bear from her. As for him, the little boy, it was pitiful. Lay with his face in the cushion and never stopped crying till we promised him another teacher. And we got him a student from the gymnasium itself to prepare him for the second class, but after quite another fashion, because the second class is no joke. In the second, besides mathematics and grammar, they require geography, penmanship, and I couldn't for the life of me say what else. I should have thought a bit of the Maharsho is a bit more difficult thing than all their studies put together, and very likely had more sense in it too. But what would you have? A Jew learns to put up with things. In fine, there commenced a series of lessons of Auroki. We rose early, the Auroki. Prayers and breakfast over, the Auroki. A whole day, Auroki. We heard him late at night drumming it over and over, nominative, dative, instrumental, vocative. It grated so on my ears, I could hardly bear it. Eat, sleep, not he. Taking a poor creature and tormenting it like that, all for nothing. I call it cruelty to animals. The child, say I, will be ill. Bite off your tongue, says she. I was nowhere, and he went up a second time to the slaughter, and brought home nothing but fives. And why not? I tell you, he has a head. There isn't his like. And such a boy for study as never was, always at it day and night, and repeating to himself between a whiles. That's all right, then, is it? Was it all right? When it came to the point, and they hung out the names of all the children who were really entered, we looked. Mine wasn't there. Then there was a screaming and a commotion. What a shame! And nothing but fives! Now look at her! Now see her go! See her run! See her do this and that! In short, she went and she ran, and she did this and that and the other, until at last they begged her not to worry them any longer. That is, to tell you the truth, between ourselves, they turned her out. Yes and after they had turned her out, then it was she burst into the house, and showed for the first time, as it were, what she was worth. "'Pray,' said she, "'what sort of a father are you? If you were a good father, an affectionate father like other fathers, you would have found favour with the director, patronage, recommendations, this, that.' "'Like a woman, wasn't it?' It's not enough, apparently, for me to have my head full of terms and seasons and fares and notes and bills of exchange and protests and all the rest of it. Do you want me, say I, to take over your gymnasium and your classes, things I am sick of already? Do you suppose she listened to what I said? She? Listen? She just kept at it. She sawed and filed and gnawed away like a worm. 
day and night, day and night. If your wife, says she, were a wife, and your child a child, if I were only of so much account in this house, well, say I, what would happen? You would lie, says she, nine ells deep in the earth. I, says she, would bury you three times a day, so that you should never rise again. How do you like that? Kind, wasn't it? That, how goes the saying, was pouring a pail full of water over a husband for the sake of peace. Of course, you'll understand that I was not silent either, because, after all, I'm no more than a man, and every man has his feelings. I assure you, you needn't envy me, and in the end she carried the day as usual. Well, what next? I began currying favour, getting up an acquaintance, trying this and that. I had to lower myself in people's eyes and swallow slights, for every one asked questions, and they have every right to do so. You, no evil eye, Reb Aaron, they say, are a householder, and inherited a little something from your father. What good year is taking you about to places where a Jew had better not be seen? Was I to go and tell them I had a wife, may she live one hundred and twenty years, with this on her brain? Gymnasi, Gymnasi, Gymnasi! I, much good may it do you, am, as you see, no more unlucky than most people, and, with God's help, I made my way and got where I wanted, right up to the nobleman, into his cabinet, yes, and sat down with him there to talk it over. Thank heaven! I can talk to any nobleman. I don't need to have my tongue loosened for me. What can I do for you? he asks, and bids me to be seated. Say I, and whisper into his ear, My lord, say I, we, say I, are not rich people, but we have, say I, a boy, and he wishes to study, and I, say I, wish it too, but my wife wishes it very much. Says he to me again, What is it you want? Say I to him, and edge a bit closer, My dear lord, say I, we, say I, are not rich people. But we have, say I, a small fortune, and one remarkably clever boy, who, say I, wishes to study. And I, say I, also wish it, but my wife wishes it very much. And I squeeze that very much, so that he may understand. But he's a Gentile, and slow-witted, and he doesn't twig, and this time he asks angrily, Then, whatever is it you want? I quietly put my hand into my pocket, and quietly take it out again, and I say quietly, Pardon me, we, say I, are not rich people. But we have a little, say I, fortune, and one remarkably clever boy, who, say I, 
wishes to study, and I, say I, wish it also, but my wife, say I, wishes it very much indeed, and I take and press into his hand, and this time, yes, he understood, and went and got a notebook, and asked my name and my son's name, and which class I wanted him entered for. Oh, ho! lies the wind that way, think I to myself, and I give him to understand that I am called Katz, her own Katz, and my son, Moisha, Moshka we call him, and I want to get him into the third class. Says he to me, if I am Katz, and my son is Moisha, Moshka we call him, and he wants to get into class three, I am to bring him in January, and he will certainly be passed. You hear and understand? Quite another thing. Apparently the horse trots as we shoe him. The worst is having to wait. But what is to be done? When they say wait, one waits. A Jew is used to waiting. January. A fresh commotion. A scampering to and fro. Tomorrow there will be a consultation. The director and the inspector and all the teachers of the gymnasium will come together, and it's only after the consultation that we shall know if he is entered or not. The time for action has come, and my wife is everywhere but at home. No hot meals, no samovar, no nothing. She is in the gymnasium. That is not in the gymnasium, but at it walking around and round it in the frost, from first thing in the morning, waiting for them to begin coming away from the consultation. The frost bites. There is a tearing east wind, and she paces round and round the building, and waits. Once a woman, always a woman. It seemed to me that when people have made a promise it is surely sacred, especially, you understand. But who would reason with a woman? Well, she waited one hour, she waited two, waited three, waited four. All the children were all home long ago, and she waited on. She waited, much good may it do you, till she got what she was waiting for. A door opens, and out comes one of the teachers. She springs and seizes hold of him. Does he know the result of the consultation? Why, says he, should he not? They have passed altogether twenty-five children, twenty-three Christian and two Jewish. Says she, who are they? Says he, one a Sheffelson and one a Katz. At the name Katz, my wife shoots home like an arrow from the bow and bursts into the room in triumph. Good news, good news, past, past, and there are tears in her eyes. Of course I am pleased too, but I don't feel called upon to go dancing, being a man, not a woman. It's evidently not much you care, says she to me. What makes you think that, say I? This, says she, you sit there cold as a stone. If you knew how impatient the child is, you would have taken him long ago to the tailor's, and ordered his little uniform, says she, and a cap, and a satchel, says she, 
and made a little banquet for our friends. "'Why a banquet all of a sudden?' say I. "'Is there a bar mitzvah? Is there an engagement?' I say all this quite quietly, for, after all, I am a man, not a woman." She grew so angry that she stopped talking. And when a woman stops talking, it's a thousand times worse than when she scolds, because so long as she is scolding, at least you hear the sound of the human voice. Otherwise it's talk to the wall. To put it briefly, she got her way, she, not I, as usual. There was a banquet. We invited our friends and our good friends, and my boy was dressed up from head to foot in a very smart uniform, with white buttons and a cap with a badge in front, quite the district governor. And it did one's heart good to see him, poor child. There was new life in him. He was so happy, and he shone, I tell you, like the July sun. The company drank to him and wished him joy. Might he study in health, and finish the course in health, and go on in health, till he reached the university? Eh, say I, we can do with less. Let him only complete the eighth classes in the gymnasium, say I, and, please God, I'll make a bridegroom of him, with God's help," cries my wife, smiling and fixing me with her eye the while. "'Tell him,' says she, "'that he's wrong. He,' says she, "'keeps to the old-fashioned cut. Tell her from me,' say I, "'that I'm blessed if the old-fashioned cut wasn't better than the new.' Says she, "'Tell him that he—may he forgive me—is the company burst out laughing. "'Oi, Reb Aron,' say they, "'you have a wife, Kenny Hora, who is a Cossack, and not a wife at all.' Meanwhile they emptied their wine-glasses and cleared their plates, and we were what is called lively. I and my wife were what is called taken into the boat, the little one in the middle, and we made merry till daylight. That morning, early, we took him to the gymnasium. It was very early indeed. The door was shut, not a soul to be seen. Standing outside in the frost we were glad enough when the door opened, and they let us in. Directly after that the small fry began to arrive with their satchels, and there was a noise and a commotion and a chatter and a laughing and a scampering to and fro. A regular fair! Schoolboys jumped over one another, gave each other punches, pokes, and pinches. As I looked at these young hopefuls with their red cheeks, with the merry red laughing eyes, I called to mind our former narrow, dark, and gloomy cheder of long-ago years, and I saw that, after all, she was right. She might be a woman, but she had a man's head on her shoulders. And as I reflected thus, there came along an individual in gilt buttons who turned out to be a teacher, and asked what I wanted. I pointed to my boy, and said I had come to bring him to Cheder, that is, to the gymnasium. He asked to which class. I tell him the third, and that he has only just been entered. He asks his name. Say I, Katz, Moisha Katz, that is, 
Moshka cats. Says he, Moshka cats. He has no Moshka cats in the third class. There is, said he, a cats, only not a Moshka cats, but a Mordoch cats. Say I, what Mordoch? Moshka, not Mordoch. Mordoch, he repeats, and thrusts the paper into my face. I to him, Moshka, and he to me, Mordoch. In short, Moshka, Mordoch, Mordoch, Moshka. We hammer away till there comes out a fine tale. That which should have been mine is another's. Do you see what a kettle of fish? A regular Gentile muddle. They have entered a cat's, yes, but by mistake another, not ours. You see how it was. There were two cats's in our town. What do you say to such luck? I have made a bed, and another will lie in it. No, but you ought to know who the other is, that cat's, I mean. A nothing of a nobody, an artisan, a bookbinder, or a carpenter. Quite a harmless little man, but who ever heard of him, a pauper? And his son, yes, and mine, no. Isn't that enough to disgust one, I ask you? And you should have seen that poor boy of mine when he was told to take the badge off his cap. No bride on her wedding day need shed more tears than were his, and no matter how I reasoned with him, whether I coaxed or scolded. You see, I said to her, what you have done. Didn't I tell you that your gymnasy was a slaughter-house for him? I only trust this may have a good ending, that he won't fall ill. Let my enemies, said she, fall ill if they like. My child, says she, must enter the gymnasy. If he hasn't got in this time in a year, please God, he will. If he hasn't got in, says she, here, he will get in in another town. He must get in. Otherwise, says she, I shall shut an eye, and the earth shall cover me. You hear what she said? And who do you suppose had his way, she or I? When she sets her heart on a thing, can there be any question? Well, I won't make a long story of it. I hunted up and down with him. We went to the ends of the world, wherever there was a town and a gymnasium, thither we went. We went up for examination and were examined. We passed and passed high, and did not get in. And why? All because of the percentage. You may believe I looked upon my own self as crazy those days. Wretch, what is this? What is this flying that you fly from one town to another? What good is to come of it? And suppose he does get in, what then? No, say what you will, ambition is a great thing. In the end it took hold of me too, and the Almighty had compassion, and sent me a gymnasy in Poland, a commercial one, where they took in one Jew to every Christian. It came to fifty per cent. But what then? Any Jew who wished his son to enter must bring his Christian with him and if he passes, that is the Christian, and one pays his entrance fee, 
then there is hope. Instead of one bundle, one has two on one's shoulders, you understand. Besides being worn with anxiety about my own, I had to tremble for the other, because if Esau, which, heaven forbid, failed to pass, it's all over with Jacob. And what I went through before I got that Christian, a shoemaker's son, Holiava, his name was, is not to be described. And the best of all was this. Would you believe that my shoemaker planted in the earth firmly as Korach insisted on Bible-teaching? There was nothing for it but my son had to sit down beside his and repeat the Old Testament. How came a son of mine to the Old Testament? Eh, don't ask. He can do everything and understands everything. With God's help the happy day arrived, and they both passed. Is my story finished? Eh, not quite. When it came to their being entered in the books to writing out a cheque, my Christian was not to be found. What has happened? He, the Gentile, doesn't care for his son to be among so many Jews. He won't hear of it. Why should he, seeing that all doors are open to him anyhow, and he can get in where he pleases? Tell him it isn't fair? How much good would that be? Look here, say I, how much do you want, Pani Holivar? Says he, nothing. To cut the tale short, up and down, this way and that, and friends and people interfering, we'd had him off to a refreshment place, and ordered a glass, and two and three, before it all came out right. Once he was really in, I cried my eyes out, and thanks be to him, whose name is blessed, and who has delivered me out of all my troubles. When I got home, a fresh worry. What now? My wife has been reflecting and thinking it over. After all, her only son, the apple of her eye, he would be there, and we here. And if so, what, says she, would life be to her? Well, say I, what do you propose doing? What I propose doing, says she, can't you guess? I propose, says she, to be with him. You do, say I. And the house? What about the house? The house, says she, is a house. Anything to object to in that? So she was off to him, and I was left alone at home. And what a home! I leave you to imagine. May such a year be to my enemies. My comfort was gone. The business went to the bad. Everything went to the bad, and we were continually writing letters. I wrote to her, she wrote to me. Letters went, and letters came. Peace to my blessed wife, peace to my blessed husband. For heaven's sake, I write, what is to be the end of it? After all, I'm no more than a man, a man without a house-mistress. It was as much use as last year's snow. It was she who had her own way, she and not I, as usual. To make an end of my story, I worked and worried myself to pieces, made a mull of the whole business, sold out, became a poor man, and carried my bundle over to them. 
Once there, I took a look round to see where I was in the world, nibbled here and there, just managed to make my way a bit, and entered into a partnership with a trader, quite a respectable man, yes, a well-to-do householder, holding office in the shawl, but, at bottom, a deceiver, a swindler, a pickpocket, who was nearly the ruin of me. You can imagine what a cheerful state of things it was. Meanwhile I come home one evening to see my boy come to meet me, looking strangely red in the face, and without a badge on his cap. Say I to him, "'Look here, Moshala, where's your badge?' Says he to me, "'Whatever badge?' Say I, "'The button.' Says he, "'Whatever button?' Say I, "'The button off your cap.' It was a new cap with a new badge, only just bought for the festival. He grows redder than before, and says, "'Taken off.' Say I, "'What do you mean, taken off?' Says he, "'I'm free.' Say I, what do you mean by, you are free? Says he, we are all free. Say I, what do you mean by, we are all free? Says he, we are not going back any more. Say I, what do you mean by, we are not going back any more? Says he, we have united in the resolve to stay away. Say I, what do you mean by, you have united in a resolve. Who are you? What is all this? Bless your grandmother, say I. Do you suppose I have been through all this for you to unite in a resolve? Alas and alack, say I, for you and me and all of us. May it please God not to let this be visited on Jewish heads, because always and everywhere, say I, Jews are the scapegoats. I speak thus to him, and grow angry, and reprove him, as a father usually does reprove a child. But I have a wife, long life to her, and she comes running, and washes my head for me, tells me I don't know what is going on in the world, that the world is quite another world to what it used to be, an intelligent world, an open world, a free world, a world, says she, in which all are equal in which there are no rich and no poor, no masters and no servants, no sheep and no shears, no cats, rats, no piggy-wiggy. Ta-ta-ta, say I, where have you learned such fine language? A new speech, say I, with new words. Why not open the hen-house and let out the hens? Gluck-gluck-gluck-gluck! Hurrah for freedom! upon which she blazes up as if I had poured ten pails of hot water over her. And now for it, as only they can. Well, one must sit it out and listen to the end. The worst of it is, there is no end. Look here, say I. Hush, say I. And now let it be, say I, and beat upon my breast. I have sinned say I, I have transgressed. And now stop, say I, if you would only be quiet. But she won't hear, and she won't see. No, says she, 
she will know why and wherefore and for goodness sake and exactly and just how it was and what it means and how it happened and once more and a second time and all over again from the beginning i beg of you who set the whole thing going a woman end of gymnasi by shalom aleichem